Thank you. It really is good to be here. Marion and I always love coming back. It is still like coming home, certainly seeing all of, all of you. We don't feel quite so at home. We went down the town yesterday afternoon, had a look around, because normally we only come to uh, really visit family, so we spend all the time around there. And so we had a little time down in the town, and actually it has changed quite a bit. We went all around the station there and all the college, and there it's very nice. And uh, it felt, we felt, you know, we don't quite feel at home here in that sense, but which road's that, and where did that used to go? We stood there working out things. So it's great to see change as well. And in the church you do too, just coming in, it's good to see new faces and, uh, as well as old and familiar ones. Talk about old and familiar ones, I'm so delighted, Simon and Cathy. Wonderful, wonderful Simon. Congratulations, that is such good news. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> Everything comes to him who waits, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. And may God bless you next Saturday, have a great time. It's good to be here too on... Um, Mothering Sunday and, and uh, with your baby Thanksgiving. And uh, this morning, I know some of you are visiting, you, you know, you probably may not have been here before. Uh, I hope that's true for some of you because we'd always want that and want you to feel welcome. And also a little bit of explanation will come out, I hope, of what I'm saying about the God we worship and what it's like. So I'm going to, I hope you'll all find this helpful and interesting, but I'm going to actually talk about a mum this morning. In fact, I'm going to talk about a fairly young mum in the Bible and actually a single mother. Uh, uh, well, it's hard to tell quite, I hesitate to say, if where her legal status was at the point in the story we read. Maybe that she had a sort of formal uh, marital status given to her. You'll probably hope be intrigued, but it was certainly a messy situation. The Bible is very real, and this is a nitty-gritty real-life story. It isn't just a fairy tale at all. In fact, before we read it, let me just say something to you about the Bible briefly, but it's important to understand it. You get a lot of nonsense said about the Bible, a lot of um, rubbish, really, and a lot of ignorance. In our day and age, I'm afraid, comes through through media and people who look to be intelligent and know what they're talking about. But the reality is the Bible is an outstanding book. There's some unique features to it. It's not something written by just a couple of people over a couple of years thinking, oh, what will we make up today? How can we fool people with these stories? Nothing like that. This is an amazing historical document. It was written over... It's actually really a library of books, 66 books, so if you want to read it, you don't have to start at the beginning and read through because it's more like a shelf of books. You can take individual books off the shelf and read them. That's fine. It ties together incredible unity. Written over about 1,600 years altogether from end to end, and uh, yet a united theme about God and about God's revelation to people, how people came to meet God and what they, what they found out about him. It's actually, uh, a lot of it is story. Now, I say that carefully, not made up story at all, real life story. We're going to look at one today. We call it narrative. Loads of the Bible is that. It's basically the story of people in real history, real people and their encounters with God, what they learnt. They didn't always do everything right. We're going to see that again today. It's not all the right thing to do. But they really did meet God in their situation. They were people like you and I. And that's the whole point. That's how God revealed himself in in, in ages of history to different people. Some of the revelation is clearer than other times. But all through it, we see this amazing grace and love of God coming through. There's an honesty, an honesty even about the, the heroes in the Bible. We're going to look at 
a little episode in the, the life of one of those heroes, or hero and heroine, that's Abraham and Sarah. And frankly, the episode we're going to look at is really not so much about them in the end. It's about another person, a lonely little servant girl, Egyptian servant girl called Hagar, who becomes pregnant out of a situation that's not really her choosing. It's quite a messy situation. To try and please her mistress and her master, she comes into a place of being pregnant. Then life gets really messy. All sorts of emotions kick off in the home. Envy, anger, jealousy. All sorts of tensions kick off in the home. And in the end, she runs away to get away from a really an abusive situation, certainly verbally and possibly physically. Uh, where envy and, and strife have come into the home. Now, as she runs away, incredibly, she has an encounter with God. And God meets this dear young woman, and I pray that as we look at the story and just look at a few little lessons from it, we will find God encountering us, and that you will perhaps begin a process not unlike Hagar's, of realising there's a real God who really knows me and cares about me, because that's what comes out. We're going to look at the close-up God. We're going to read uh, Genesis 16, and I'll read the story to you. If you don't know it very well, you can just listen. It's not too uh, difficult to follow and I'll be fleshing out a few bits as I talk to you over the next half hour anyway. So, here we go. Verse 1. Now, Sarah, I'm going to use Sarah and, uh, rather than Sarai because, I mean, she, they change the name a bit at various stages as they go through Genesis. So, this is Abraham, but he's called Abraham at the moment. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar, So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Cana ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said said to her, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress, submit submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child, you will have a son, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy and it's still there between Kadesh and Berit. So Hagar bore Abraham a son and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Not all pregnancies are received with great joy. Fortunately, we've been able to rejoice this morning, but in life today, that's true, and it was true now. 
there were very mixed feelings. This pregnancy caused great tensions in the home. Caused tensions between Sarah and Hagar, between Sarah and her husband Abraham, and we're not told of the relationship between Hagar and Abraham. We must only imagine the oddness or tension that might have been there, especially as Abraham seemed to rather dismissively say to his wife, you could do with her what you like. She's your servant, you decide what you want to do with her. Though she was bearing his child. Not the most honourable incident in the life of Abraham and Sarah. Let me say right now, these two characters are heroes in the Bible. Rightly so, they are heroes of faith. Abraham is in the end, but they are not perfect at all. The Bible doesn't gloss over that. This is real people, real history. They make a number of mistakes. This is just one of them. God knows what we're like and he still loves us and cares for us. Hagar does not perform perfectly in this story and yet she meets the grace of God. This is a big message in itself. God is a God who is available to real people. You can only think, if you know your Bible, people like David and many others who did things they really shouldn't. And this is certainly true of Abraham and Sarah. Desperate for children, absolutely desperate, this couple. Quite a wealthy couple, you've got to bear in mind. They would have owned a lot of uh, animals and things. Abraham and Sarah are, are quite well off. They're desperate for children and they think that they can bring God's purposes into being through their own efforts. They actually decide on what for them is a legal but shady way by which they could have a child to be a son and an heir. Now, I just want to say something here about the Bible again. It's interesting that for centuries, and I mean centuries, people who criticise the Bible would criticise this story. They'd say, what is this weird little story? What's this all about? You know, you can have my maidservant technically as a sort of wife and then you can bear a child. Oh, you know, where they get that from? Because there was no other record in any ancient document about this. Bear in mind, what we've just read, though it's translated into English, was probably written nearly 4,000 years ago. 3,500 plus years ago, that story was first written down. And Abraham and Sarah came from Ur of the Chaldees, roughly in modern Iraq, well, in modern Iraq, where, which, where about 2000 BC in rough figures. That's where they came from. Now, bear that in mind, because people used to criticise the Bible. And in the 19th century, when a lot of criticism went on, this would have been one of many attacks. This is all made up stories, it's all made up, it's all a myth. What on earth is that all about? Nobody would do that. In the 20th century, and this is a fact, in the 20th century, archaeologists found a lot of records from Ur of the Chaldees, from a roughly the time of Abraham and Sarah, cuneiform tablets they're called, with, with uh, carvings on them, and clay tablets. They began to understand them and translate them. I'm not sure if they found them in the 20th century, or only began to understand them. And what they found was fascinating, that in Ur of the Chaldees, where these two came from, this process we've just read was perfectly normal and legal. If a wealthy couple were, the wife was infertile or possibly only having female children, they wanted a son and an heir, what this to do was a legal way, what we call, of having a surrogate mother. It's really an old style way of having surrogate parents. So the woman's, the wife's maidservant can become a sort of technical wife and bear children for the man and then they are legally his children, they're not illegitimate, they are his son and heirs. What we've just read was two people who should have been following God's ways and in faith with him 
getting a bit fed up waiting and deciding to sort it out the world's way. They didn't think this up. They went back to how people did things where they'd come from before they started following God. Where, where they'd started off not following God, back there in early counties, this is the way you solved the problem they had. But God had said, I will give you, Sarah, a child. Your child. It will be a miracle because they're getting very old. But actually, they just bottled it, you could say. They just gave up waiting for God and they went back to the world's way of doing things. I want to say to you right now, brothers and sisters, Christians, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to think, you know, I'm not being rude, but you know, God's not given me a partner, a, a wife, I'll, I'll just go and find someone, I'll go the way the world does it, I'll sleep around, I'll find something. You know, that's the only way for me to find that sort of hope and, and comfort I'm looking for. And there's a myriad other ways, you know, I can't believe God's going to provide the money, so I'll go and do something I shouldn't do illegal. And it can go on and on and on. It's very easy battle, a very easy thing to do in the battle of life. But it's always a mistake. And there's a terrific warning here. When they went back, Abraham and Sarah, and did things God's way, it caused endless problems. Yeah, they got a child, and it was a boy, Ishmael. But immediately there were tensions in the family. We've just seen that. Then there were tensions in the next generation, Ishmael and Isaac. You can read that later on in Genesis. But the sad thing is, even today, there are tensions because of that mistake because essentially the Arab-Israel conflict of the Middle East today has its fundamental roots back, at, back in this story, that they would both trace the origins